0: The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. So, very happy to be with you today. Um, and I wanted to share a, l- a few thoughts following on to what Don spoke about last week. Um, lately, I'm really interested in how it is that we're not yet completely free of dukkha. Unsatisfactoriness, stress, suffering, whatever word you use for the reason you're practicing meditation. Is my sound okay, by the way? Can you hear me all right? Okay, thank you. Um, so here's what Tanisaru Bhikkhu says about that. When the Buddha formulated his first noble truth, the truth of suffering and stress, he didn't say something useless like life is suffering or obvious like there is suffering. Instead, he said something much more useful, insightful, and to the point. Suffering is the five clinging aggregates. And as he explained elsewhere, the problem isn't the aggregates of form, feeling, perception, thought fabrications, and consciousness. It's the clinging. So when he said that all he taught was suffering and the end of suffering, he was really saying that all he taught was clinging and the end of clinging. If we want to understand the Buddha's teachings and get the most out of them, we have to comprehend what clinging is, why it's suffering, and how he recommended bringing it to an end. So I appreciated that little snippet from Tanisha So what are some of the ways we're clinging? One of the major ways we're clinging is through any fixed sense of self that we construct. And it is constructed through what he referred to, Tanisha referred to as the five clinging aggregates. And these five were what Don discussed last week. Again, they're often translated, and I'll explain a little more. They're often translated as form, feeling, perception, mental formations, and consciousness. And these five get woven together in our minds into what we know as experience. Um, Don talked about it as a different framework for looking at subjective experience. And she introduced the way the mind kind of puts together or aggregates these five primary experiences to form the subjective sense of reality. But she pointed out that it ends up being a little bit like a magic show. And the star of this magic show, the result of how we weave them together, is most often the self. So when we're clinging to a fixed idea of self, it keeps our minds stuck in dukkha. One way this happens is that we develop and hold fixed views or beliefs about ourselves, about each other, and about the world. Um, These views or beliefs can lodge themselves in our minds and contribute to an unconscious mental inflexibility and then when events don't unfold the way we expect or when people don't act the way we expect we react in ways that range from mildly preferring things were different to feeling stressed because people and events are not as we expect all the way up to extremes of despair and suffering So these fixed views or beliefs we have about ourselves and others are aggregated from form, feeling, perception, mental formations, and consciousness. As I talk about these today, instead of using the word consciousness, I'll use the word knowing, how we know things through the six senses, meaning the five physical senses plus mental activity. And instead of mental, well, I'll use mental formations, but I want to say it refers to things like thoughts, associations, memories, things the mind constructs actively. So what are the types of views or beliefs that perpetuate suffering? Um, one fixed view is that I am this body, this form, this set of emotions or feeling, that second aggregate, this mind, And the mind is this mix of perceptions, mental formations, and knowing. Often, we don't know that we have a stuck set of ideas about ourselves in this way until suddenly it dawns on us in the form of an insight. So we may select one period of time of how we were or a way we'd like to be and start to act as if that were the truth of who and what we are all the time. We start to believe it as something that, will last kind of very unconsciously, we're clinging, and that sets us us up for suffering. So a really obvious example, um, and it's not so obvious until it is obvious, but ideas that this body should consistently be able to do certain physical tasks, for example, or should appear according to some certain set of standards. Um, With these ideas, what happens in the mind when we fall ill or sustain an injury or simply grow older? Unhappiness, resistance, conflict with the way things are come up. So one example, one really obvious example you can see in the broader culture. So I saw in the news recently that some people, as they get frustrated with the weight gain that can happen as people age, have started to use diabetes medications like Ozempic to lose the weight that they don't want and you know it's perfectly understandable to try and uh, maintain a reasonable weight but then after they successfully lose the weight what I was reading was that their face loses the fat and they feel they look older So now many are going in increasing numbers to plastic surgeons for fillers or even more extensive facial uh, reconstruction, costing up to $95,000 to make their face look younger again. (laughs) So clinging to form, clinging to looking a certain way. I'm guessing each of you could come up with other examples of this, but I'll offer another that is more, you know, not so uh, exaggerated maybe. A few years ago, I didn't know I was holding on to the view that this body is athletic and that physical therapy can overcome any aches and pains that I develop. I'd done physical therapy for issues with my knees, my elbows, my shoulders, and I began to notice discomfort in one hip, that interfered with sleeping. So I rushed off for more physical therapy. I was given a sequence of exercises that I did faithfully every day for months, and nothing improved. Finally, I went back to the orthopedic doctor who did some x-rays and found that I had a small extra bone growth on that hip. And in that instant, I remembered that I fell over onto that hip from my bicycle decades ago as a young adult, when I was tired and I didn't unclip from my pedals fast enough. Now, it seemed reasonable that this bone spur was digging into the muscles of that hip when I lay on that side at night, and the discomfort was keeping me awake. Uh, This wasn't something for which the doctor recommended surgery. And after I accepted that, I was able to drop the mental reactivity, the clinging to this body that it has to be a certain way. And I dropped the idea, this can't be this way. I dropped the reactivity to discomfort. And I realize now, if I have difficulty sleeping one night because of the discomfort, by the second or the third night, I'll be tired enough that I'll sleep solidly. Now, that's how things are for now. Who knows? Um, As I'm aging and arthritis is here in my body, I do what I can to stay flexible and strong, but I've dropped the identification with a certain form and feeling that went with the idea of Liz the athlete. Nor do I think of myself as Liz the arthritic old lady. There's no point in identifying with this body in any state. Anytime we identify one or more passing states as me, this is what I am, we're clinging, and our identification with a fixed idea of ourselves will sooner or later create mental suffering. So if instead we realize this mind is in a changing relationship to ever-changing body that is in a dynamic relationship to an ever-changing environment, we come closer to the truth and can reach freedom instead of clinging. The Buddha compared form to a lump of foam, which is kind of a great metaphor for that dynamic relationship to our body and its appearance that's constantly changing, bubbling up, mostly formed of air with thin membranes around the air to make a form that can be blown away. So with the practice of mindfulness, we develop awareness of these kinds of views and beliefs. Um, often we'll see them during times that our views clash with things as they have come to be right now. So if we continue our regular practice of recognizing views and beliefs over time, especially with some compassion, we can start to see how views create stress. We can begin to let go of beliefs that aren't helping us, even the most subtle ones. Um, Compassion can also free us from the clinging and suffering that comes from other people's views about the body. We live in a culture and on a planet with billions of other humans, and some of the views of form or feeling or about the body arising in this larger system can be having quite an impact on each of us. We're we're clinging also when we take a period of time or a, bo- a moment of bodily life, emotional life, or mental life that we liked or disliked, identify with that, and then treat it as if it will always be true. So the same is true of taking periods of time in this culture or this country or this world. If we identify with it as a source of lasting security, how things are in this moment or how things were 20 years ago, um, if we identify with that as a source of lasting security or truth, it leads to inflexibility, clinging, and it supplants, it takes over from this moment-to-moment awareness and experiencing that we're cultivating with this practice that we do. Since conditions of life, body, heart, mind are continuously changing in an environment that's continuously changing, why get inflexible about a fixed idea of who or how we are? Why set ourselves up in clinging and suffering? So another type of these beliefs of clinging that get us stuck is identification with a certain set of frequently experienced feelings or emotions. So, for example, if we get identified with, and I I used to do this long ago, um, sitting meditation is supposed to feel pleasant. Then when it feels unpleasant, we think we're not meditating. But we can, as you know from this practice, we can notice whatever is arising, whether it's pleasant, unpleasant, or neither. So if we do, if, I, if we identify ourselves with a collection of pleasant feelings or unpleasant feelings, or even a fixed view that we have no emotions, we get stuck. For example, if we experience frequent emotions and take that up as an, a fixed idea of self, like I am that. For example, I'm impatient. I'm the impatient type. Or if we identify with pleasant feelings and decide I'm an optimist, I'm always in a good mood. Or if we don't experience emotions very strongly, we decide I'm just not an emotional person. Any of these self-views set us up for not remaining aware moment to moment. They set us up for missing the full range of human experience, as well as setting us up for a shock when emotions come up that don't fit our self-concept. So the Buddha referred to feeling, the second, second aggregate, as bubbles that form on the surface of water during a rainstorm. So when fat drops of water fall, forming bubbles that then pop, he called them empty, void and without substance. So that's the second way we construct clinging to the self. Another way we construct a fixed view of reality and ourselves is through the third aggregate called perception. Perception is this instantaneous recognition of something. Um, So two people can witness the same thing and come away with entirely different impressions of what happened. Because of perception, my among other things. My spouse and I have learned that we almost never see another person the way the other spouse does. So one of us for a while would say, oh, doesn't that person look like so-and-so? The other one never saw the resemblance at all. And if if we were to hold on to those perceptions as, you know, I'm right, we'd struggle with each other around that clinging. Um, we each are conditioned to observe different facets of someone's appearance. So perception is this instantaneous act of mind that creates an impression that's based on all the past perceptions we've individually had. And since we selectively, without knowing it, observe, perception is subjective. And since reality changes all the time and contains more details than we observe, we, in effect, create a, you know, some reality, but we also create a mirage. Um, it may be a useful one at times, but nonetheless, it's not a perfect representation of external reality. So the Buddha referred to perception with the metaphor of a mirage. We see the sim- shimmer of light on the sand or the pavement, and we see a city that's not there. And if we cling to the destination we've constructed from that shimmering light on the sand, we're likely to face more suffering rather than reaching a destination. So it is with perceptions that we have of self and other. A fourth aggregate or mental activity on which we can get caught in suffering is that of mental formations. And I should say, all five always weave together, they work together, but especially these last three of perception, mental formations, and knowing, they tend to be woven together. But uh, we can believe that we are our thoughts or the running narrative in our heads. That's that's me, that's who I am. Uh, Some might believe their value in this world is that they're smart or that their thoughts are creative or true. And that's who they are, or that what they think is the way things are supposed to be. But what about the fact that we can easily think of things, we can think things that are untrue. So let's try a thought experiment right now. Deliberately think of something you know is not true. For example, I'm five years old, or the sidewalk in front of my house is made of green cheese. You can come up with something that's not true. Were you your thoughts then? And what happens if one suffers a stroke or a brain injury? Are you your thoughts then? I watched my sister after suffering a brain injury, and her thoughts were uh, very different. She came up with things that I didn't recognize. So we have to be very careful about identifying with our mental formations as us. The Buddha referred to mental formations as the process someone might go through if they tried to find heartwood in a banana tree and kept cutting into it further and further, stripping away the outer layers only to find no heartwood at all since a banana tree trunk is apparently comprised of old layers of banana leaves clustered together, so it's empty. The fifth ag- aggregate of clinging in which we can get stuck is the sense of knowing that we create from the, what the Buddhists call the six senses. So the five senses of seeing, hearing, f- feeling, smelling, and tasting, plus the sixth sense of mental activity. This sense of knowing is like a magician's trick. It's like a magic show in certain ways. We do know a reality that's out there. I'm not saying this is all all a made-up dream. But what the mind does, even with the sense of knowing, isn't to be clung to as always being reliable data. So here's an example from meditation practice. One can easily develop a sense of knowing what it feels like to meditate. We can combine the sense of feeling in the body and mind with the way we habitually relate to the perception of sense data coming and going while we're meditating. And we think we know how we're supposed to feel when we're meditating. But again, that knowing is another result of aggregating certain experiences over and over in a certain way. So I've gone through periods of suddenly feeling that meditation was chaotic and suddenly a, a kind of feeling a little confused by it. Um, and this went on until I realized months later that the mind had actually dropped the mental construct of knowing this is what meditation is supposed to feel like. And it was actually more present for being newly aware of moment to moment unfolding. So that felt unfamiliar and that my clinging to this is how my meditation feels fell away. So, through all these ways we can identify with these aggregated five elements of experience as I, me, and mine. Through all these ways we develop fixed views of ourselves and each other, Based on ways we might mistake form or appearances, feelings, perception, mental formations, and knowing as I, me, and mine, or you and yours, we're clinging. We can get stuck on how we think it is or should be. When we do that, we abandon awareness. Of moment to moment experience and get stuck in views or ideas. What's great here is that we can wake up to this magic show. And that's where this practice we do on Tuesday mornings or throughout the week is so helpful. Because by continually renewing our awareness and attention to what is Happening right now, and right now, and what am I aware of now? And that awareness and attention and recognition becomes able over time to see in more detail, and we can start to feel the difference between when we're slipping into some kind of concept or fixed idea and when we're experiencing what is arising right now with a new mind, a fresh mind, this experience. We can, through this practice, question fixed ideas we have of aggregated experiences that are subject to clinging, Th- there are aggregates. These aggregates are independent of clinging, but there are, but they are subject clinging. So, in the ways I've illustrated today, they can become ways that we cling. We could, you know, form could come up as something we're clinging to, an appearance, or feeling could come up as something we we start to cling to, or we could you know, perceive things a certain way and that way is the right way and other people's perceptions are the wrong way or their perceptions are the right way and I'm wrong. Um, or we can get stuck on the the mental um, formations, the constructions of thoughts, judgments, associations that we come up with, memories. And we can identify with those as these are you know these are brilliant thoughts these are creative thoughts this is this is uh, how thinking is supposed to look um or we can get uh cl- we can cling to our sense of knowing things knowing that that set of sounds that i'm hearing downstairs means somebody's breaking into my house or knowing that that sight means something so as by being aware by using this practice to be aware moment to moment we can break through these aggregates where we cling aggregates of clinging we can stop clinging and we can become free of suffering so uh, with those thoughts um, I hope that that was useful to you and um, I welcome questions comments protests, experiences, um, whatever you'd like to share. And I'm going to turn off the recording so we can...